to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the 154th episode of the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand, and with me today is a man that I was thinking of sending home during this World Cup. I had it up to here. Uh, he wasn't giving it at all in, in our training podcast, well, and I was ready to send him home. But you know what? I'm not going to say who it is. I'm not going to say who it is. He is here, though. Uh, it's like <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it's that awkward. I mean, I'm going to call my dad um, if you do, just because. <laughs> like, or our avid or our avid listener Chuck Wiegand. I'm going to call him and say, "Your son is about to boot me from <laughs> from the, the from it." Yeah. Oh boy, I'm just checking. Okay, we're we're still good on Facebook and everything. My word. Uh, Is there ever a calm week during U.S. Men's National Team Soccer? No, I guess not. <laughs> so, what we are going to be doing is we're going to be talking some World Cup quarterfinals and then previewing the semifinals. We also just had a huge story just break about. Uh, sorry about Gio Reyna uh, from Greg Berhalter, uh, but not naming names. That's what that reference was. If you didn't read that, but I don't know who hasn't seen it yet. I mean, we're actually going live probably like within the hour of when it happened, which is uh, which is fun because uh, the look. I thought this was going to be a short episode. We get in, we talk quarterfinals, we talk semifinals, get out. Not much U.S. news to talk about, but then. Here it is, right? So this will this will be interesting to see and get your thoughts, Logan, and some of the listeners' thoughts if uh, if anybody jumps in here. I can't tell because it still says we're not live, right? But I but see we that we're live, so <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. Um, okay, but before we do, I, I do want to do uh, just uh, a quick thing here for Grant Wall. Friday we lost. Grant Wall, who was, uh, you know, a huge figure in U.S. soccer. He's been he had been writing for um, he had been writing for the uh, Sports Illustrated. He had been writing uh, through numerous places. He now had his own, you know, newsletter. He had his own podcast after he was let go from 
Sports Illustrated, but he had unfortunately collapsed during the Argentina Netherlands overtime. And uh, just, you know, our thoughts are out to his family and all of his friends who really, I mean, uh, he was such a huge figure in U.S. soccer. Uh, most people have been touched by Grant Wall and the work that he has done. Uh, you know, he was really like the pinnacle of sports writing for U.S. soccer. So um, just sad we lost somebody uh, like that. We're not going to speculate on anything like some people have been. You know, that's look, they'll do investigations if there was anything wrong. But we're just going to focus more on, uh, you know, the, the great loss that we have experienced in the U.S. soccer community. Um, so our hearts are out for all of his family and friends who are many in this field. Okay. It's going to be hard to kind of flip the switch from that yeah. to what we have to talk about. Uh, Cause what we have to talk about is a lot of immaturity that we're going to be right. talking about next, uh, which is this broke like an hour and a half ago, two hours ago. I don't know the Burholter quote. So I'm going to read this and then we're going to talk about, our thoughts on it. And then right before we went live, an article from Paul Tenorio and Sam Stasekel came out clarifying more information about it. So then we'll dig into that. Okay. So this is Burhalter speaking at some sort of like uh, leadership training. And then it, uh, this was only like Tuesday and then it came up in the newsletter today. So somebody somehow got, if you were subscribed to this newsletter, via email you got it today and if you're a soccer fan you're like i'm gonna spread this around uh twitter today and that's what happened okay an example i can give you in this last world cup we had a player that was clearly not meeting expectations on and off the field one of 26 players so it stood out as a staff we sat together for hours deliberating what we were going to do with this player we were ready to book a plane ticket home that's how extreme it was and when it came down to it, uh, we were going we were going to have one more conversation with them. And part of the conversation was about how to behave from here on out uh, or how we're going to behave from here on out. There aren't going to be any more infractions. But the other thing we said to him was, you're going to have to apologize to the group, but it's going to have to say why you're apologizing. It's going to have to be deeper than just, guys, I'm sorry. And I prepped the leadership leadership group with this and i said okay this guy is going to apologize to you as a group to the whole team and what was fantastic in this whole thing is that after he apologized they stood up one by one and said listen it hasn't been good enough you haven't been meeting our expectations of a teammate and we want to see change they really took ownership of that process and from that day on there were no issues with this player all right most people kind of immediately were like, hey, this is uh, Geo, right? And actually, you and I, Logan, we both texted this same link from the Men in Blazers Twitter account to each other in the same second, pretty much. Uh, I know I had sent it, and then like you had, I got a message saying you had sent it, and I was like, oh, geez. <laughs> we're right on top of it. Um, so... I guess let's talk about it before we get into what actually happened with him or before we thought it was Geo. I don't care who it is. I think it's I think this is fine. I think I might feel a little different about it, Logan, if if 
I see everybody saying he went to the press to whine. This wasn't the press. He was literally speaking about leadership. It ended up in a leadership type newsletter. This wasn't meant for, I think, I don't, I don't, you may call it naive and naivete, and it probably is. I don't think he thought this was going to get out. <laughs> as, as dumb as that sounds, I, I don't think he thought this was going to come out. Two, I don't think he cares if it comes out because he's gone. I don't, his contract's up. I don't think he's worried about it. It's not like he's under contract still. I don't think he really cares. This is an example he was using in this talk about how he handled a leadership situation, right? Which is relevant to that. So everybody's saying, why are you bringing this up? It was relevant to the topic of what he's talking about. So I'm fine with that. I don't care. I guess you could say he should have used maybe the McKenney situation during World Cup qualifying. But I think people would then also be like, why is he bringing this up again now? Why, why is he, you know, and it's just, you can't win. He's using an example from a time where he had to deal with a situation like this. And I, I think he may have naively thought that this wasn't going to be out. Like, I don't think his target audience was the U.S. media or U.S. soccer fans. I think he's like, I'm talking with other leadership people. This will be fun. Um, he may also have no idea if this was going in a newsletter <laughs> is what I'm thinking, too. He may have thought that this was just going to be that one talk on Tuesday because we didn't hear about it until today. So I really don't think this would have got out if it wasn't in that newsletter. Uh, strangely enough. Okay. Um, he doesn't list any names and I, and I think that's fine too. Cause while people say this is obviously geo, uh, I saw a lot of people thinking, well, it could be Luca De La Torre. It could be Aaron long. And that's why he didn't play. So th there was reasonable doubt, right? <laughs> so, uh, for people to say like he blew up the locker room because of this, I think that's wrong because everybody seemed like, like other people were coming up with reasonable alternatives. So, so you know, it wasn't a guarantee. Um, my other thoughts on this are before we get to Logan and his thoughts, I feel like we have to start. I saw a lot of people freaking out at Greg about this and not so much at the player. And I'm talking about before we even had confirmation, we now have confirmation who it was. We'll talk about it. But before we even got confirmation, I was a little worried that everybody was immediately like, Greg needs to go. He needs to be fired. One again, his contract's up. He's not, he's not going to come back is where I'm standing on it. People calling him insecure, all this kind of stuff. There's a certain time where we have to hold the players accountable. And I think we're, I think us Twitter and, and us fans are a little too easy on the players at the top Euro clubs. They'll get on MLS players all the time. If this was an MLS player, they, they would be on team Greg right now of airing this laundry. I think. But when we had the same thing happen with Weston, when he was immature, people didn't like Greg sending him home. But it's Weston came back fine and he learned his lesson. These young players need that type of thing at times. There was no other issues with this player after this thing happened, right? So people are saying, well, why end up bringing it up again? Again, it's, he was talking at a conference. This is different, right? So it's not like he's then just crying to the media. So I think 
we have to start holding the players a little bit more accountable and, and specifically the ones at top Euro clubs, just because they are the most talented players we've ever seen in a U.S. shirt. Doesn't mean they can do whatever they want. Everybody hates the way Ronaldo acts right now. Do you want that? Do you want a player acting like Ronaldo, uh, acting like he's the figure of the team, the figurehead of the team? I don't. I don't want that. Uh, I guess you could say, well, if Ronaldo, if he's going to score like Ronaldo, sure. But I don't know. I, I think there has to be this, the way that everybody was talking about how much of a team and brotherhood this team was, you can't let those cracks get in to the foundation um, by giving a star player a more, more leeway that you're giving the people that are not as talented. It's kind of how I feel on it. Uh, let me just see. I wrote down stuff, so I'm just trying to make sure I covered some of it before I pass the baton. All right. I, I think I'm good with what I said right now, but Logan, your thoughts on, we're not, I don't know if I've even said who the player is yet, but um, it was confirmed to be Gio Reyna. But before we even had confirmation, what were your thoughts and uh, stuff like that? Yeah, so my first thoughts, obviously, um, was Gio Reyna. Uh, I mean, you have these initial thoughts that maybe Weston was doing something again. But then again, I think, uh, and Greg actually, um, so uh, there was a text message that went back and forth. Um, I think Jeff Carlisle sent the text message to Greg basically trying to confirm, hey, what's going on? Um, and he texted back that it's very important that the group has standards, that there are there's a clear line in between like what the team is going to allow or disallow uh, in that leadership group and that leadership council that the U.S. men's national team kind of have um, that sit atop, which is probably Pulisic. Um, I'd imagine Tyler Adams is involved. Um, and I'd say probably like somebody like, uh, like very experienced like players like Yedlin or yeah. I don't Yedlin. know, Reem. Yeah, I think Yedlin. I don't know. um, I think who else? They said somebody else. I couldn't remember. It was Yedlin, and I think you're right. I think it was Reem. Um, But it was definitely seasoned guys, guys that were older um, that kind of had taken this leadership, which I think that's the other issue, and I don't think it's talked about enough, is just the fact that this group is so young that I think leadership is going to be done more collectively in that collective style than it is going to be one personal guy sitting down with another and going, hey, you know, that's not what we do here which I think is better just because I think they can collectively come up with the standard. Obviously that standard wasn't met. Um, I do think it's interesting though, that like all these things are happening um, and it's a lot of immaturity. A lot of it's Weston McKinney. Weston McKinney wasn't even in that window. Um, and we talked about how crucial that was to maybe not qualifying and the fact that he was not in that qualifying window when we really needed him. Um, and it, but I think it, it goes to what Greg has been saying all along is that a, sometimes a clear pathway can help us understand like, you know, this is not the way that this team is going to do it. And if you're going to do it like this, then you don't need to be on this team. So I think that was something that happened with Geo now. I think that it's a clear pathway forward. Um, But then again, I think when you're looking at this as a whole, I think Greg's done. Um, I think there is a little bit of concern just for the fact that like, maybe some of the players didn't find that he was very effective in what he was doing as far as leading a team. And maybe that's got some truth to it as well. When that came out that the players, you know, and again, the geos uh, thing might come out as a result because geo was the one that says, you know, Hey, the players in the top leagues don't like that Greg's here. And that might be geo just trying to combat what happened at uh, world cup. But just the fact that like this whole Eric Wijnalda thing um, just, you know, exploding. Um, and then all of this stuff comes out. It's, 
it's kind of that headache you don't need around a team. Uh, I think Raheem Sterling a couple of years back, if I can remember correctly, this happened to England when Raheem was uh, blowing up the team and it really impacted the way they played in 2018. Um, and you just don't want that to happen. But I think the U.S. has been pretty straightforward in saying we're not going to allow that kind of crap because, like you said, Jordan, do you really want a Cristiano Ronaldo sitting there grumpy, not happy, then when they go and lose, he basically charges off the pitch, not with his teammates, because he's pissed off because he didn't play. Like, that That ultimately well, is what happened. We, we, we saw it, right? Did everybody see the video of the team celebrating yeah. uh, when they come back to the hotel after beating Iran and Gio didn't look like he cared at all? He had headphones on. Like, he didn't right. want to listen to it. That's weird, right? I mean, that's just weird behavior, I think, when you're part of a team. Uh, I think what we also have to think of is that if the Wanada stuff is correct at, at, at times here, right, is that was leaked by Gio's team, right? Not without full, without full awareness of everything. I think Greg may have been trying to cover with the injury thing, I guess, to make it not look bad on Gio. I think he was kind of trying to protect him a bit. And when Gio came out and said, no, I was fully healthy, it muddled the waters a bit, right? Um, and kind of put all the pressure back on Greg again um i don't i don't know what my thought now is i saw a lot of people saying greg shouldn't have said this and stuff look how many of us and i me included you included we're asking why isn't geo playing why isn't geo playing and then the moment we get a half answer of course it doesn't say his name everybody's like well he shouldn't he should not have said this at all <laughs> it's like well damned if you do damned if you don't really right like if he if he if what if greg had stood up here in in qatar and they ask him and he says you know he was causing problems with the team would people have liked that i don't know you've been asking for it they ask all the journalists to ask the hard questions and they get the answers to it and say sounds like greg's a whiner and that's the kind of stuff it's like no matter who's the manager is going to face these issues they're going to face these issues where the fans will always feel like they know better than whoever's in charge and we're going to get more of this logan when we have more and more talented players in a squad eventually we're going to pick well we saw it this year too but they're going to pick 26 players and there's going to be a big name left off of there sometime because of either the way they fit or just how many talented players we have things like peppy right not being part of the team um, things, you know, uh, like that, but at a higher level, right? We're going to see that at a higher level as we go further and further every four years because we're going to keep producing better and better, better players. So 2026, I already see some people doing mock squads and it's leaving out big names because, well, we can only fit 26 and you're always going to have to face those issues. You're also not going to be able to play all 26 players or 23, even if it goes back down next time. You can't play them all every World Cup either. So there's going to be decisions like that. And then when we get the answers of behind the scenes drama like this, people say, shouldn't have said it. Shouldn't have said it. So I think that's unfair. Um, like I said, he's out of contract. I was asking the same questions. I got my answers now. We know why Gio wasn't playing. <laughs> And here's the article from the uh, from the Athletic. I'm not going to quote the whole thing. I'm just going to say a few things from this. So the sources that Tenorio and Stayskull had, uh, who requested 
anonymity because they're not authorized to publicly speak on the manner, said that Reyna showed an alarming lack of effort in training ahead of the U.S. opening match against Wales. This was a scrimmage against the Qatari club Al-Garafa SC on November 17th. Reyna's lack of intensity in the scrimmage, sources described him as walking around throughout his time on the field during what was an otherwise intense situation so that's the key part people said i've seen people say what he didn't he didn't like that geo wasn't going hard in a scrimmage uh yeah because everybody else was it was an intense game now not to the intensity level where they're probably getting injured but at a certain tempo to be real practice for a game for a world cup and another thing i have issues with people kind of just being like, well, maybe he was trying to get not be injured and stuff, is he probably didn't play the full time. And if everybody else is playing, look, we didn't have warm-up games. There was no warm-up games for this World Cup, so this matters more than it would in a normal World Cup year, I feel. You usually have like three or four friendlies. This you had none. You had a behind-the-door scrimmage, you know, behind closed doors. The lack of effort was so pronounced that it was unclear whether Reyna was protecting against an injury or just frustrated that he was not set to be a starter against Wales. This also caused significant frustration within the team. So it's not just a Greg thing, people. It was the whole team was feeling like he wasn't trying hard enough. Uh, then, after the Wales game, because in the Wales game, he threw his shin guards after not being subbed in. So again, bad behavior there or i guess worrying behavior is what you would want to say in the post wales training session reina's lack of effort continued again and it prompted several veterans to speak with reina including deandre yedlin and aaron long who pulled him aside and urged him to show more effort going forward this is what the leadership should do so i'm fine with the players i saw some of those twitter accounts saying the players are soft whatever God, I, I, I don't understand. It's like you're so in love with just the idea of Gio Reyna. You can't take any criticism of the guy. It's so frustrating. It's frustrating, Logan. I, I'm so frustrated because every player should be held accountable as a team. So I, I don't see, and you know this, you used to coach baseball at times. You've been playing baseball at a higher level than me. What are your thoughts on on this? Yeah, you don't put up with it. Uh, the minute you put up with somebody that is uh, that is going to act like this, then throw a temper tantrum. It it brings down the team in a way that you can't really explain. But it's like the it's like this guy's always going to explode. We don't know what's going to happen. He's unpredictable. Are we going to lose him in a match? Like this could easily carry over onto the pitch where he does something stupid and you lose a guy. You go down ten, and then you lose a game because of it. It's detrimental in the fact that it seems to be. And I, I don't know Geo personally, but it seems to me. I played with guys like this. I've coached people like this, that this kid is a kid that grew up with people telling him how good he is, how valuable he is to a team and that he deserves everything in the world. He's an entitled player. Like it just comes down to that. I don't know his personality well enough to state whether, you know, that it's a negative effect on him and that how he lives his life. But it does seem like every time that he's ever had any kind of issues, it's, it's come back to feel bad for Gio things are going for G well for Geo. So Geo's going to throw a fit and that it's, it's that entitlement. It's that 
growing up where you were the best player where your dad might have been the coach and probably was with Claudio. <laughs> so like, yeah, here's the thing. I it had, feels like that. I had it when I was in Facebook. My, I had a coach whose kid, uh, they were also our, my neighbors, but they were, uh, he was like our star pitcher, right? But he was awful. And like, he, he had good days. He had bad days. When he had a bad day, he threw temp, temper tantrums like this where he'd throw his glove and he would yell at his dad while he's on the mound. And it just created uncomfortable situations and i can see where everybody's like hey we're at the world cup this is supposed to be fun we're supposed to be playing at the highest level here and we have our own teammate who's dragging us down and thinks that he is the star player all these players know how talented geo is they do that's not lost on them they know how talented is but they also know that you have to prove that on the pitch during game situations and it's not like Greg didn't give him opportunities. He still played him against England. He still, you know, uh, while he didn't play him again uh, with uh, Iran, that was probably due to the Pulisic injury where it kind of shuffled the plans around, I think. And then he gave him a whole 45 against the Netherlands. So obviously they had squashed this. He had to stand up and apologize to the whole team during a video session. But before that, they said that this had to be, it was so untenable, they had to address it multiple times including with the coaching staff until finally he stood up in a session and apologized they had to talk about it multiple times it should only need to be talked about once and now we got twitter accounts saying that he got in the face of tyler adams if that's true then you know i'm team tyler adams sorry he's the captain that's his job is to put people in line when they're doing stuff like this so we saw how hard tyler adams worked during this world cup so I would be pissed as well if I was working at busting my ass the way Tyler Adams was. And I have a player whining the whole time. I'd be furious. I'd be furious. And we talked about this too, before the show. Um, it's gotten to a point now too, where that, that's not going to be put up with if any of the coaches that are coming in or any of the staff that's coming in or the players that are coming in, just, just because like we are no longer that team that's going to need to rely on Gio Reyna. We're going to have, you know, two or three of Gio Reyna's. Like, I think, you know, looking forward, you look at guys like McGlynn, you look at Paxton Aronson, you look like, you look at guys like that, that could easily step in to just take his spot and go, yeah, right, dude, Brendan Aronson. Like there are so many different players out there now. And it's going to get to that point in 2026 where Gio's got to look at himself in the mirror and go, I could easily be replaced on this team. And I've got nowhere else to go because he's ultimately stuck now with the U S and if, you're going to act like this, then he's just going to get stuck here. And, and there's going to be huge issues with just the fact that like Claudio and, and just going down the line of just players and coaches that are over here in the MLS. And just, it's going to have this like chain reaction where people are going to be like pissed at the U S men's national team because Gio Reyna, this top talent that came through as a youth player was now being outsed by the U S men's national team. When I look at it, I think if somebody's going to act like that with all these young kids that are just stacked up, ready, waiting to go, and we're more talented as we go, like Paxton Aronson, I'd sign me up. I'd much rather have two of the Aronsons who are just going to play and play without any kind of – like Brendan, I guarantee you Brendan had no issue being a super sub. Like that's just – he took that role. He yeah. said, you know what? I could play over Christian. I could not play over Christian. I could play over Timothy. I didn't play over Timothy, but I don't care. Like I, I, I'm here to have fun, and you can just tell with Brendan – there's none of that. There's none of that understanding of like, hey, I deserve to be on the pitch. And if I'm not, I'm going to go throw my shin guards up against the wall or something stupid. And I, and I think all players think that they deserve to be they on do. the field. They do. But it's how you show it. And it's how you take those moments when you do. 
So here's something from Twitter. I just saw this. So this is Stefan Buxo. Okay. He is a reporter for freelance, a former ESPN FC. He does the yellow wall pod, which is a uh, Borussia Dortmund podcast. And he, he retweeted the Paul Tenorio story. He says, this puts Gio Reyna in a very bad light and corresponds with his often bratty, pouty antics in a Dortmund shirt. Edin Terzic has criticized his players for a lack of intrinsic motivation this season. Hopefully, this was a wake-up call. So this is not just Greg. This is not just U.S. soccer. This has been picked up by... Uh, Germans, and they see the same thing. They see the same thing. He needs to hold himself accountable, and he needs to stop the pouty antics because it looks childish. I don't care how young he is. He's 19, right? I remember being 19, and I wasn't that, okay? That's like, all these people I'm talking about, this kid that was in my baseball team, we were 12, okay? That is totally different than 19. So I think at a certain point, and we've seen players like Pulisic handle himself at that age. We've seen Brendan handle himself at that age. So it's it's totally, like, totally different. He, we've seen his attitude problems in the past. Um. So that's part of it. And again, you can't, it creates a distraction for the players. Uh, if people want to know more about that, look up about Winalda and John Harks in 1998 and the effect that had on the team, uh, which caused them to crash out of the World Cup after a promising 94 campaign. But yeah, so I think ultimately, and also England. England with their golden generation. You mentioned Sterling. I'm going to go way back. I'm going to go when they had Lampard, Rooney, uh, Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, and John Terry shagging all these players' wives and causing all this internal strife that makes them get bounced out of the World Cup, you know, in like 06, 10, all those times when they had those big squads that are probably more talented than the players they have now, but they underperformed every single World Cup. And it was because, one, they couldn't let their club stuff get out of the way. And two, they were having personal problems. So that there you go. Like it, it, there's precedent on why you can't handle, why you can't just be like, well, he's a star. We got to play him because when it does happen, France, France, 2010 had all these players have these issues and it caused them to get bounced out in the group stage. It happens over and over again. So all the people saying like, well, us people just need to deal with it. Look at what's happened in the past of USA, France, England, all these big teams that have had bigger personalities before. I kind of think if they still had Benzema in France and if he wasn't injured, I don't think they're where they're at right now. Yeah. I think the way I think Drew is much more of a team player. Yeah, it's interesting. And Pogba's missing. So yeah. it, you have those two dynamic characters in a team. Um, the one thing I think that is interesting that most people have pointed out on Twitter is that although like this would be something I think you would bring up anyway, naturally in one of these just close to knit or, you know, close to chess conversations you think you're having with somebody. And I think that's why Greg did it. He just thought, well, maybe, you know, this won't get out kind of thing, which it's kind of speaks to how naive he is sometimes. But I do think, I think this is kind of like that final nail. That's like, I am done coaching this team. And I'm just giving somebody a heads up as to here's what I was dealing with in my time with the U.S. Men's National Team. I do think it has that feel where he's removing himself because I think here too, 
you would still have some kind of rift with the players going, okay, if I do have an issue with Greg at some point, and if I have had an issue, then is he going to just tell whoever he wants this stuff? And I think that you kind of like break this code because so many times that just needs to stay in house, um, which they tried to do with Weston. But I think the good thing about Weston is Weston learned from it. Geo, I, I just don't know if he's capable. Um, so it'll be interesting because that's a different kind of mentality. I think Weston was more of like, I just wanted to have fun. I'm young. I'm a kid. I make mistakes like Foden. Yeah. I, I think yeah. 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 It wasn't, this one's more yeah, it, wasn't egregious. it was, yeah. they're both shades of immaturity. Yeah. Right. No, no. This is what I was just reading though. I'm not going to say the Twitter account name, but this is what I was just reading. Are you ready? Maybe all of this Geo Reyna drama could have been prevented if there was true leadership from the coaching staff and veterans. Uh, I I don't know. Are we just always going to act like whoever the coach is is in the wrong? Like right. that just drives me nuts. And what do you do? I mean, you really don't want to fracture a locker room. The best thing to do, I think, at that point is shut up, don't play him, let him sit over there and have his little moment because you're not. I think sending him home would have caused a bigger distraction, right? I think making a bigger issue if Tyler Adams comes out and goes, Gio Reyna is a jerk. Uh, that's why he's not playing. That causes issues. Then it causes this like. I think they did it exactly how they should have. They kept him on the team. They said, hey, if you clear up your act, you could maybe get back in here in the later in this tournament and when we need you. And they did. They played him in a very important match. But I think that that what they did was ultimately what you, you can't do anything else. What are you going to do? Like if you send him home, people are going, what the hell's going on? And then he's going to blow up. And then you're going to know why because he's going to let you know. So, yeah, I think they did right. Oh, I think we're good to move on from the – Reina storyline. I'm just looking at my notes. I think I said everything I wanted to say yeah. about it. I got a couple of questions for you, though. A couple yeah. things came out before we get into the games. A couple of things came out as far as uh, U.S. men's national team coaching is concerned. Yeah. Um, there was like list of names that came out. I don't think they're very reputable. The sources that came out to say them. Um, Pep Guardiola. Well, no, no, I, I yeah. think they're reputable because they come from the athletic. Are they? But I, okay. I think they're pie in the sky. Yeah. This is who we want doesn't mean that's who we're going to get. Right. So I think it was Pep Guardiola was mentioned. Jesse Marsh was mentioned. Um, I think who else was on that list? Uh, I think Louis Van Hall was mentioned at some point. Um, Zinedine Zidane. Uh, you had Luis Enrique. Marcelo Bielsa. Roberto Martinez. And then Ricardo Gareca, who I don't know who that is. It's a Peruvian, uh, former Peruvian national team coach. So those were some names. Um, they are going to reach out to Pep. Uh, that's their first, I think, initial contact just to see if he is interested. I don't think there's any momentum in behind that. I wish there was, but I just don't see him. The leaving. issue is Pep would have to walk away from yeah, I think, a lot of money. 20 million guaranteed yeah. each year until 2025. And then you'd probably have to match or exceed that amount for mm -hmm. him. And I think the most we ever played was Klinsman with like six to $11 million. I, I don't think we're reaching that. Okay. Right. So I'll say no on that end. Um, My issue is Zinedine Zidane. He's known for not knowing English. So that's not going to happen. I don't think that's yeah, going to happen. They've been very Bielsa as well. speak English. Yeah. Bielsa yeah. as well. Um, Roberto Martinez is an interesting shout, but I just don't care much for him. <laughs> I don't think he's. I think he's tactically good. I do. I just don't know if he's a youth or like how youthful this team is. I don't think it's ready for him. We did the same thing with Bell. I guess. Yeah. 
I, I think he'd be fine. I think yeah. it's not a sexy hire, though, right? I think it, he, he'd probably Hervé be... is sexy. Yeah. He'd, well, okay. <laughs> Martinez would be a step up, though. He would be a step up be. from Gray, yeah. for sure. Um, I think what I would say is I'm going to go ahead and say our next manager is not listed in that report. That's what I'll say. I have no sources. I heard some people say, for people watching. I'm, I, I'm, I'm just going to say, I don't have any sources or anything. We're not that hit of a podcast, but it's just, I, I feel like that's like the early feelers. Jesse would have to get, if it's going to be him, he's going to have to get fired from leads. I don't think yeah. he's going to leave them unless if he like, if they go down, he's going to get fired. If he keeps them up, he might say, I did what I could with this team and I'm out, but I think he would like to keep staying there. Um, I could I could see them playing with either not Greg, but maybe you know somebody steps in like Lucci or somebody that is currently coaching with the US men's national team just for a year and a half, just while they look. I, like I could totally see because I think two years is roughly where you really need to have the coach in place outside of a World Cup. They've got a year and a half to figure this out. I don't think it's gonna happen as quickly as we all want it to. I think it's going to be a process because I think they're going to wait for some of these coaches in the summer to f- get freed up from their clubs to be able to go after them and say, Hey, you know, are you going to be interested in this? Summer would be the latest. I would, yeah. I think I've, we said that before, give yourself three full years. Yeah. Um, that, that's where I would lean on it. And yeah, it's a, lot of, a lot of these guys are mid and that's what really screws up about the world cup being mid year, right? Yeah. Is now it's like, okay, we're going to have to figure out if we want a club manager, we have to wait until the club season's over <laughs> uh, to approach that because they're not going to leave their team. Like Pep's not going to, if it was going to be Pep, which is not, but if it was, he's not going to leave city in January to then right. coach some random Especially friendlies Champions for League. camp cupcake yeah. in January. He's not yeah. going to do that. Right. Cause he's going to be hoping to play in champions league. And yes. He's, he's, yeah. He wants to win one. Now, you might, if you want Pep, you might be rooting for him to win the Champions League just so that he's freed up in July or ready to go wherever he wants yeah. to go. If he wants to come to the U.S., because that's what he wants. He wants one Champions League. I don't think he's going to settle until then. But I do think now he's gotten to the point where I think he has kind of had his head turned, kind of looking at his other options. Because I do think something else is coming down the line for him. I just don't see him stepping out of coaching just yet. Mm-hmm. So that'd be cool, though. Like, could you imagine? That'd be awesome. Oh yeah, and I, that would, I know that he gets along with the young players really well. So I, I know that he's he's turned completely around from what I think his reputation had been with Bayern and, and Barcelona. Is he gonna been. is he gonna play Geo or is he gonna? I don't think he, he see he. You know who he loves? Which Tim Ream. Really, yeah, he loves Tim Ream, and he loves a, a Jedi. I don't know what he like. I don't know whether he watches Fulham games a ton. And I do know they he have and, to. They probably watch video when they're well, playing. He, yeah, he and uh, who was the coach at Fulham last year? Uh, Scott Parker, right? Was it Scott Parker at one point, right? Yeah, I think when, when it was Scott Parker, he and Scott Parker were really close because I remember when Pep when they went to Craven's Cottage, they uh, he oftentimes went out to eat the night before with or uh, with uh, Scott Parker. So hopefully, he paid for it. Uh, yeah, he's got more money than Parker. Yeah. I would hope he's covered the check. Yeah, Pep does that. So Pep does that with all the coaches that he visits yeah. with uh, for FA Cup and um, for Carabao. He does that because he's. Do you uh, think they? Do you think they talk football? Like, do you think he's like, 
I'm coming at you tomorrow with a four, two, three, one. And I, like, this I think going. he does with some of those, with some of those teams, I guarantee he probably does. Cause he's I, just I like, beg you to try to stop. Right. Me. <laughs> he's that kind of cheeky. And, but I have heard that he, he brings wine and he pays for the check every time oh, that he good. goes to the younger or to the, to the smaller um, coaches. So that's nice. I like cup. That's very nice. Uh, okay, let's get into our oops. Let's get into our recap here of the quarterfinals. Uh, so Brazil, Croatia. That was the first game of Friday, and it was uh, it was all right. They <laughs> seemed like months ago. Like these it games was. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I was thinking it was Thursday for some reason, <laughs> but it was Friday. Yeah. Um, Brazil, Croatia, Brazil. Uh, was I, I'm not gonna say this was a bad game, but this was like Croatia was playing how they do. Mm-hmm. Brazil couldn't break them down, and they had to go extra time. And then extra time was great. Extra time was like boom, 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 yeah. and you're like whoa. And then Brazil scored, and this incredible Neymar goal. It was really good. And then uh, they're all dancing. They're like, we made it through. Mm-hmm. And then Croatia's like, no, you didn't. And they equalized <laughs> it. And then they go penalties, and Croatia nailed it in penalties. The goalkeeper comes up, makes a save. Their their penalties were great, by the way. Uh, one of these gets hit like into the left side netting, just like the keeper wasn't going to get to it. Allison was not going to reach that ball at all, but he got there. Uh, uh, but you know, the ball passed him in there, and uh, I, I know Matt was like, "Hey, I, I could have told you that because Allison doesn't make saves." Brazil didn't make good penalties, and they and you know, they probably needed one save, but you can get through a shootout without a save because somebody's going to, the pressure, they're going to sky it over the bar. We see that later in a few of these games. Uh, but yeah, Croatia just took the penalty so well. And this is something they've been known to do. We talked about it, uh, I think, last week when they, not last week, I guess midweek. I don't know when we last recorded, but, you know, they got through that game against Japan with uh, penalties. And then they had, in 2018, they went extras like every single knockout stage game to get to the final. And they're on track to do that again. I can't bet against them, but I also chose Argentina to win. So when we get to predictions, it'll be interesting for, I guess, what I have to pick here. Uh, but this was this was just so much fun seeing Croatia knock out Brazil. As much as people were begging for an Argentina-Brazil semifinal i love seeing croatia i don't care people calling them anti-football and all that kind of stuff i love seeing teams that have not won at all win at all so if they can get close again that's just incredible especially with uh you know giving Muldrick a world cup would be fantastic before he steps away it's kind of fun to watch luka Muldrick play still because it's like he's kind of gone he's fading into what is uh, you know uh father time has caught up to him but it is fun to kind of watch him because it's like he has these like resurgences up on on the center stage um which is kind of fun because he was so talented um leading up to uh 2022 just because he was younger uh more crisp but uh, he's still got it man like he still plays extremely well i think they've got a really good team um i think they're a team that, that the u.s can look at and say you know these aren't guys that are like topping out at the top players as top players in the league or top players in the world. You know, I I think the U S can look at them and say, these are guys that have been together for all this time. 
Um, they've gone through the ringer. They've been in really important games. They get to the final in 2018 and lose to France, who was looking more and more like they're going to repeat. And I think it, you know, you look at this team and if you're the U.S., you go, I want to model them. Like, I want to be them. I want to be clinical. I want to be, you know, uh, I want to work as hard as I can, as efficient, as efficient as I can in games. And you can take down these huge giants. Brazil was the betting favorite to win the World Cup this time around. And, I mean, Croatia just frustrated them. And, and that's what Croatia does. And I think Croatia could very well frustrate Argentina. I think they figured out, hey, we just shut down Messi. We've got a really good chance to win this game and head to our, you know, second final uh, in a row and hopefully meet up with France again, get a little bit of revenge maybe. But uh, I just like watching them play. Um, Jordan, I, I do want to ask you this. It, are you – are you concerned that maybe the window is starting to close on this Brazil being a heavy favorite kind of thing? Because Neymar's 30, he's going to be 34. He's maybe said that he doesn't want to play in the next World Cup. I don't buy it. I think he's going to be there. It's the U.S. It's a huge The stage. ego will pull yeah. him there. No yeah. problem. You know how many times Messi retired from Argentina? <laughs> you know how many? It's been, right. It was a lot. Right. So Hell, even Aguero retired. He's still out on the pitch in like a collared shirt, like looking to go, all right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think Brazil will always be a heavy favorite. As long as they play the beautiful style of game that they do, people are going to – It's creative. And, and the way that they like usually steamroll Conobol yeah. for, for qualifying and stuff, I think they'll always be a heavy favorite because of their history, because of gifted players they can produce. But here's the alarming thing, Logan. When they rush up, when they brush up against a U, uh, a UEFA member yes. in a knockout stage, they don't like it. They get bounced out all the consistently since two thousand two. They have not won a knockout game against a UEFA opponent. That's not good because when you look at who wins World Cups, it's Conobol and it's right. UEFA. So if you're going to have to go up and win a World Cup, you're going to have to face UEFA. Yeah. And you're going to have to do it if you want to win one of these. And they can't do it. They couldn't even do it in their own backyard. They got brutally slaughtered by Germany. Was it 7-1? Yeah, something like that. I think it was 7-1. And they, I think, and I heard other people say this on other shows, um, but I agree with it. So it's not, I'm not just parroting it. But what it felt like is when they finally broke through for that Neymar goal. And I, mm. I bought it too. I was like, that's it. That's all they need. And I think they thought that too. I think they were like, that's what we needed. We're not going to let them get back into this game. And they did. They were still pressing high up the field with a goal lead, mm -hmm. which is, you know, what we were kind of asking the U.S. to do against Iran. But what they did was they lost the ball and didn't track back fast enough. And then they get caught out and Croatia scores. It takes a deflection, but, you know, sometimes that happens. I'm more disappointed in their penalties. They didn't look good at all. So you have to learn how to win a shootout and you have to start winning against UEFA opponents. And you can blame the coaches. I saw some people blaming the coaches, but the thing is Brazil has not beat a UEFA opponent since 2002. They, I, I don't know if it's just in their head because you know you can say that you can say 2002 but none of those players no. playing were from no. 2002 but it's it's almost like a it might be a meaningless stat but it's a stat where i think the more and more it happens 
the more and more it's going to become true, right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like if they brush up against a UEFA opponent in 2026, they might struggle the same fate. There's rumors of them trying to join the UEFA Nations League for after 2024 of uh, Cannonball, which would be weird, but. Can we get in on that? <laughs> then it would be like another World Cup. Can we, just, can we just pay somebody to get in on that? But if so, that might be what they need because they'll be playing UEFA opponents all the time and they'll kind of be able to pick up a little bit more on maybe how yeah. to how to beat them. But I think, you know, I've seen some people also say, well, the USA is not going to win a World Cup in our lifetime because Brazil hasn't won one in 20 years. And I'm like, but other teams have right (laughs) like every somebody wins yeah uh but i think it's just the world is catching up it's really hard to score in uh football and when you have the people who the teams that go in a low block it's hard to break down and a croatia team that does that and purposely frustrates you for 120 minutes they know what they're doing. Croatia just mm. knows how to get through this. And I wouldn't bet against them against Argentina doing the same exact thing and getting through. The difference is the magic of uh, Leo Messi, who might be able to break down that from, you know, 40 yards. I mean, you look at their roster, it's just impressive to me, which is why I always am con- I'm confused when they don't get through because of all the talent that they do have. And I think it's legit talent. Like, it's Rafinha, it's Richarlson, it's Neymar, it's Vinicius Jr., Casemiro's been really good, Marquinhos has been fantastic, Silva is a proven veteran that just knows how to play. You've got... Uh, Probably getting a little Danilo. too old, though. Yeah, but still, yeah. I mean, he plays serviceably back there. It's not like he lets anything... No, play. yeah, he's great for Chelsea. Right, so, but it, it just... Like you start to look at this window and you're like, man, we're, 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 we're wasting probably one of the best players we've ever had from Brazil. Um, he's up there in the top five, top Neymar, two, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, he, he just passed, he just tied Pele's record. I was going to say, right. I mean, Pele, that's yeah. when you're in company with Pele, right. You're in pretty good. And company. you got Ronaldo, but it's like Neymar's, I mean, you're, you're wasting, you're wasting like this version of like Mbappe or, you know, it's Messi, it's Ronaldo. Like this is their guy right now. Well, this whole this whole Neymar's career is all as a whole yeah. has been wasted because he's gone right. to PSG, and then right. his Brazil team is not doing anything. That's frustrating. Yeah. Imagine yes. the level he could have been at if he had either stayed at Barcelona or right. if he. I know he wanted to make his or own. Or went to the Premier League. Like, yeah, that's that's the thing. <laughs> that's he wanted to make. Yeah. He wanted to be the person that puts the team on his back. Mm. Um, it's tough to do when you're like. One guy it, in soccer. You're one guy in soccer. It is yeah. tough to do. We saw Leo do it at Barcelona, but also he started yeah. not winning as much when the rest of that golden generation of Spain got yeah. phased out of Barcelona. So Ronaldo, the it wasn't always team. it wasn't always Messi. Yeah. Um, so so that's kind of where Neymar went there is trying to do. But even with Mbappe, even with Messi, they can't win the Champions League, and if he had gone somewhere like a United or a Chelsea mm-hmm. or a city, like maybe he's even a bigger name on the global yeah. stage. I mean, of course everybody knows who he is, but yeah, maybe, okay. Maybe a bigger name in America because we cannot really watch that many <laughs> games of PSG. Cause it's on BN sport and it doesn't get broadcasted enough. If he's playing on NBC, if he's playing on ABC, like his name's going to get more known than yeah. freaking 
and Europe only knows him when they watch PSG, but nobody likes to watch Lyon because it's just a, it's a farmer's league. Like it's become the point where nobody can test PSG. Like it's just doesn't. Well, they just didn't win it a few years ago, didn't they? Yeah, but it's it still feels like every year they're going to win it. Whereas like City, I do feel is more vulnerable. I feel like Barcelona and Madrid were more vulnerable. Like I I just feel like PSG is just they're going to win that thing every year. Uh, let's just go through the predictions real quick. Uh, so this game finished one, one went to penalties. Croatia won. I predict it four, one Brazil. You predict it three nil Brazil. So, uh, none of us got that right. Then we went to Netherlands, Argentina, which was an instant classic. This yeah. game was one of the best <laughs> world cup games yeah. of all time. And it's a meeting that happens a lot in the world cup. It's weird, <laughs> but finished two, two. And this game was legendary because it was a 2-0 lead Mm -hmm. in the 73rd minute after Messi took a penalty, and I was like, that's it. It's over. Also, Messi had this great, you know, uh, no-look pass that he did to set up the first goal, which was amazing. Soak it in, guys. This is his last World Cup. You might be watching his last game on Tuesday. Soak it in, people, Um, because... That was mind-blowing. Uh, the, the fact that he's doing that at his age still is just it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. He converts the penalty in the 73rd minute. Uh, then Veghorst scores a brace in the 83rd minute, and then in the 90th plus minute, the last kick of the game, they pull this uh, training ground free kick where they softly roll it to him he turns and scores he does the same thing in wolfsburg look it up i think i retweeted it but he does a the same move the same exact thing i feel like they were just like hey you know that thing you did for your club we're (laughs) doing that that." (laughs) and it worked it did and uh, they went to penalties and unfortunately they fell uh and i say unfortunately because while i did pick argentina to win i've been kind of rooting for a new winner so i was like oh our you know like netherlands could be fun um i plus i was having so much fun i was like let's keep going you know like extra time and then extra time was fun and then we get to penalties and what were they doing i i don't know how good vvd is at penalties but they had him go first they had him go first neymar famously didn't even shoot a penalty in brazil because they were putting him fifth he would have taken that penalty last and there's this old school mentality i will say the old school mentality of put your best player fifth because if you need to convert that to win or keep going you want your best taker where that falls apart is when he doesn't even step up to take a penalty and what did argentina do they set at this is actually after vvd misses by the way they send messi up there and he converts. You put your best penalty. It's starting to lean more towards put your best first because the statistics are starting to show if you miss that first one, you are losing these shootouts more than you're winning. So, peoples, what I would do if you want to not put them first, Neymar should have went third. Like I just feel like if you don't want to put them first and you want to put them last, don't put them last because you might not make it to that put him third that's going to guarantee he steps up and takes one um is kind of my thought on it so vvd misses steven berghoist misses when messi puts his away so it's one nothing argentina then it's paredes who scores for 
Argentina make it 2-0. Coop Miners scores for Netherlands to make it 2-1. Gonzalo Montiel scores for Argentina to make it 3-1. Vout Veghorst, who scored the double, scores a third, a penalty. So it's not technically a third, but you know. 3-2 is the score there. Then Enzo Fernandez. He's he's the one that's guided over the bar, right? He he messes it up. And then Luke de Young ties it up to make it 3-3. And then Lotaro Martinez steps up and makes the penalty uh to make it 4-3 in penalties to Argentina. And a fun thing I did here is in this uh the real score was 2-2 Argentina in penalties. Logan, you were the closest on this. I had a 2-1 Argentina win. You had Argentina going through on penalties. 1-1 was the score, though, so you were off the scoreline. And I asked you if Messi would make his penalty. You said yes, and he did. So you were were really close. Look at me. Should have put it in Vegas. What was I doing? I should have put (laughs) 2-2. I could have made a lot of money. That would have been – we'd have got a studio, Jordan. I don't know where, but we got one. (laughs) Yeah, halfway. We'd be fine. Planes to work every day. Right. Uh yes, but they're just a just a classic game. If people for some reason are listening to us and have not watched the highlights of that Netherlands Argentina game, put us down, pull up the Netherlands Argentina highlights because they were fun. Okay, Portugal Morocco real score one nil Morocco. I had t- we both had two nil Portugal win, so we were feeling a little bit more. We were right that we thought. Ronaldo wouldn't start. He didn't, but he had to come in while they were down one nil. And guess what? Still has not scored a knockout stage goal in his five world cups. Morocco scored in the 42nd minute by N Nasari uh, Nasari. I think that was how they were saying it on the show. Um, header. I don't know what the keeper was doing. Uh, who was that? Ro Patricio? Who, who was no, it's no Diego, it was uh, Diego Costa. Yes, I yeah. signed him on my FIFA career a few years yeah. ago. I do that all the time with him. So Yeah. Yep. Uh, but they did get a second yellow uh, just two minutes apart for a, for a person that came in. When did he come in? He came in in the 65th minute. He gets sent off in the 90th minute. Barely played Morocco. Um, so he'll miss the next game. And I know some people are saying it's not a yellow. I know you said that as well. For me, I'm like, if you already have a yellow, you can't make that challenge. For me, I'm always more of the, you can't make the, you can't put it in the hands of the ref to make the, to make the right call. Cause sometimes they're going to miss. Sometimes they're going to miss on the calls. And uh, I'll have a lot to say about referees after we talk the next game. Anything more about Portugal? This is Ronaldo's end of his world cup career. He's gone. I mean, it's and he didn't of, stay on the field. He walked right off. Yeah, no, it's kind of similar to. I, I mean, I could could compare them. I guess not as good as Brazil because they they have a couple of players they don't really have in Portugal side that can can score as much as Brazil can. But I, I do feel like I mean, Portugal had one of their best shots this time around than they've had uh, in a while. I, I felt like this team is built well enough with a lot of young guys, a lot of interesting talent, a lot of. Um, guys that I think are at top levels in which they're playing at club. Um, and then, you know, some of their uh, subs, I mean, they're, they're top level subs. So um, yeah, I mean, this is really disappointing for Portugal. I thought this was a year where they deserved to be at least in the semifinals. 
um, playing for a, a chance to get into the finals uh, of the World Cup, but they're not. And Morocco, on the flip side, plays just as good defense as anybody in this tournament. Um, they did lose Roman Sice. I don't know if he's going to be out for the next match, but to lose him as kind of like that anchor in the back um, does hurt Morocco. But I was really impressed with some of the Moroccan players. Um, uh, Hakimi, I, I think is – how you pronounce that, right? Um, he's been fantastic. Uh, I, I I knew of him just because he's been in and around other places. I think he was at Dortmund for a little bit. Um, and so, he, I mean, he's looked great. I thought Hakimi's played pretty well. Zayek's played pretty well. Um, and Bufal's been pretty good. So um, they're getting good play out of guys that they really need to play well. Uh, but, um, yeah, I'm pretty impressed with this Moroccan team. And now uh, I'm full Moroccan. I'm hoping that they can pull off the upsets to get to the final just because I think it'd be a lot of fun. They haven't given up a goal that wasn't right. our own goal. Like, yeah. that is just insane to think about. And can they make it all the way to the final like that? That's That's going to be tough. That's going to be tough to do, especially against a potent France team that did not look – Super great against England and still score two goals. So that's going to be tough for Morocco. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm on board with them. I, it's hard to bet against them, but it's also hard to bet against France. And that's kind of where we're at with the semifinals, right? I mean, that's kind of how it should be. I just said that each of these teams can pretty much get to the final when I keep saying I wouldn't bet against Croatia, but also I wouldn't bet against Messi, and I wouldn't bet against Morocco, but I wouldn't bet against France. Like I know that sounds like just dumb, but it, it's it's one of those things where I'm like, this is really up in the air. I can see any of these teams winning. The level it would be for Morocco to win this, uh, for people that don't follow the Euros or hasn't been following long, Greece won the Euros in 2004. And they did that with a staunch defense um, in 2004. And it was kind of one of the biggest things that could ever happen because Greece wasn't like a soccer powerhouse and uh, really they've been irrelevant since that run of like 2000 to like 2010 where they were kind of a good goodish team really good defense occasional goal um this would be way bigger than that you know this is the first african team to reach the semifinals and if they can be the first african team to reach the finals and then they end up winning what that does for all of african football and then what it also does this would be this would be bigger than Leicester winning the Premier League. Like this is that would be one of the biggest storylines in world soccer ever, right? And that's uh, that's something that'd be really, really great. Um, so I love underdog story. I'll I would love to see Morocco win it all if they could. But I guess let's talk England France. <laughs> Real yeah, let's talk was, England, France. Real score was 2-1. I had 3-1. Logan had 2-1. But you get some minus points because you said Mbappe would score 2, and he did not. He was a really quiet game, actually. He sucks. Uh, Kyle Walker shutting him down over there. Often does. Should have known that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he does it all the time with City. Uh, Tushimini scored in the 17th minute for France, a rocket. And then... Uh, I, Harry Kane penalty in the 54th minute. Saka got the call there, which was, I thought, a clear penalty. And uh, Saka was not getting a lot of calls, um, which I, I always hear Arsenal fans say, and that was true. <laughs> and then um, 
Giroux in the 78th minute scores uh, another goal there assisted by Griezmann, who score, uh, who assisted both, by the way. And then in the 82nd minute, it's a yellow card and a penalty on Teo, uh, Teo Hernandez, and Harry Kane steps up. And by the way, this had to get VAR checked. They didn't immediately call this. It was Mason Mount just getting absolutely decked without Hernandez turning around at all. I was, I saw that happen. I was immediately like, that's a penalty. And then I'm like, what is going on? And they kept showing it. And I'm like, are they going to review it? Because this was clearly a penalty. They do. The ref has to do the box motion. He points to the spot. And I was like, thank you. And part of me, I'm, I was I was totally neutral on this. I don't really like, I know some people hate England because they are entitlement stuff. I think the players on this English team are really likable. They are very likable. And yes. I think France, I really love Giroud. So I was kind of like, Dang. I was just sitting back and it was a really great game. So I was like, call that a penalty. Let's go extra time. And then Kane said, I kind of want to go home. And he skies it over the bar and missed. Um, he had actually on his first penalty had tied Wayne Rooney for the most goals by an English uh, player. So crazy to think, cause I don't think Harry Kane's been part of the team that long, but I guess he has, <laughs> it just feels like, I don't know. I guess I'm just getting old, but um, yeah. So that's how it kind of ended there with the missed penalty. I know you have a bone to pick with the media for England and the fans. I have a bone to pick with them too, because, and it's not the same thing you had. <laughs> I was scrolling last night. And of course I've seen so many people say, you know, Harry Kane's not going to be able to live that down with the English fans. I'm scrolling Twitter last night. I, after the game, I drove to my parents' house. We had pizza, you know, chilling. And my dad had just said that to me. He's like, Hey, you know, he's not going to be able to live that down. And I was scrolling and I was like, you just said this and listen to this guy. And it was a guy on talk sport. It was a fan being interviewed after the game that said that the he couldn't. While he does blame Kane for the miss, he also blames Gareth Southgate for even bringing Harry Kane, the guy that just tied Wayne Rooney with the most goals in English history. Shouldn't have brought him. Passed it. <laughs> what? We need a Harry Kane in England. I, I would sign say, him up. Oh my yeah. god! It was. For people that create the sport, they know absolutely nothing about it. It is it's like listening to local sports radio after a quarterback goes 40 for 44 for 500 yards but had maybe one interception and it's time to bring in the backup. It was ludicrous, Logan. Yeah, uh, I saw some sentiments too uh, and obviously I think it's because I work for a British company and I was I was kind of leaning more towards the Brits just because I wanted like uh, sorry you they don't like it's like they call them England you can't call them British and uh, Well you can't call England. them Brits because yeah, it also includes Wales and Scotland yeah, right. so you have to so call them English for those I work for an English company um and uh so I was rooting for them because I was like I want them to be happy because they deserve it uh, they haven't won one in a while why not um, I don't want to see France win it back to back. So I was like, you know what? I'm leaning more towards England. Um, and then, then after the game, uh, and it's been ever since, uh, I just listened while I was cooking dinner. I was listening to ESPN FC and I was listening to some of the pundits on English, like Sky Sports. Like I jumped between two or three and every single one of them, every single one 
called them the best team in the World Cup and basically had the same the one direct quote said uh this is the best team and there's no uh that this happens quite a bit in tournaments where the best team gets bounced and that that just happens and i said well, it did how it brazil they got right <laughs> that's what i said i was like how dare they talk about brazil and not name them no but i i stop calling yourself the best team when you haven't won a world cup for like 40 something years like you're not 60, the best team. since 1966 <laughs> yes i was like i do i can't do math right now but it, i knew it was in 66 right yeah so you haven't won a freaking world cup in six decades okay um we were a country i think before you guys won the world cup um but no it, it just it frustrates the hell out of me how entitled because it's the same thing too that when they talk to me i've had british students i've had you know, people i work with that are british i talk to you know on twitter we talk to a bunch of british people and there's just like this like oh well america what do you guys have you guys call it sucker and i'm like okay that's funny but until you beat us at a world cup and you win a world cup you can't mess with us like you're lucky we didn't bounce you to go play the netherlands because you probably have gotten beat there and we would have been playing Senegal and we could have won. So it, it just it just frustrates the hell out of me just because they think that their soccer and their football is so much more than what it really is sometimes. They think that League One or Two could smash up the MLS. I don't think they could at all. Um, I've seen League One and Two and I've seen Championship. And there's a lot of MLS teams that would beat the hell out of those teams. So it, it just it frustrates me. I'm tired of them being called the best at everything they do. Harry Kane is not the best striker in the world. That's a Norwegian. Um, the best player in the world is not on a British team. The best young player in the team or the world in the world is not on the British team. So like stop saying you are the best when until you prove you are the best and beat us on a stage or beat somebody else on the stage like france like germany like you know who just go down the list they can't beat teams so like stop this you're not the best harry kane's a choke like there's a reason he plays for tottenham like it, it there's it's just all of this stuff it just mounts and it just pisses me off because they think they're so much better at that sport than so many other countries that are way better than they ever will be well, it's funny because while they do have the best league in the world, it's because uh, all the international go to it. Yeah, <laughs> it's not because of the English players. I mean, some of it is right when you have some of their players, um, but I don't know. It's I, I get what you're saying, um, and it's it's funny that uh, I don't they really don't know. Top like in the world, they just don't like they've never produced the top player in the world. So why do they think that they have these top players in the world when I'm like, Ugh. well, I mean, Harry Kane is a top striker. He's not the best, right? No. But I mean, he is like, he's he, a good striker. Erling Holland yes. is coming. I mean, yes. he's world-class. I will say he's yeah. world-class, but he's not like the best. I think even Robert Lewandowski was better than him. Uh, and, you know, and then you have, now he's being upstaged by Erling Holland, right? So yeah. you have this. Um, and Hani Mukhtar. Yeah, yeah. You have these levels, right? And it's um it, it is interesting how some of these English players just get like Frazzled. Mount hasn't been great for Chelsea this year, but kind of nobody seems to care. They're always on Pulisic's butt, you know, about how he's playing. Um or Zayek's butt. And then they go to the World Cup and they're playing fantastic. Um I don't know, just just a lot of fun there. Uh but but yeah, so let's, uh, I don't know. I, I think what it is is because they think 
so highly of their team that when they fail and look, they were one of the best teams like goal scoring wise and they were playing pretty well, but they never win when it matters. Right. Right. They have never won when it matters ever. Not since 66. Yeah. And hell, most people alive can't even remember those games. I remember the people. Right. Especially the people on Twitter going, ah, I was sitting seat 32. (laughs) Um, No, it it is funny. Uh, I don't know. I I think uh, they'll always have that mentality. You know what? I don't know what, why, but the English, the English fans will always have that mentality of we're better than anywhere else. Uh, And yes, sometimes the bet, look, they were the better team against France. Like, when you include things like possession and the chances they created, yes, they were but it, when it came team. to yeah. scoring, which is France what matters, is France yeah. was better. Just like France the last time I met. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and here's another thing. And if you're just getting into soccer, like if we're like the start, because I know so many people get started with, with world cup, here's something you got to know. And, and it, and it, you can play a victim as much as you want as a U.S. fan, but it is a hundred percent true. The rest of the world doesn't want the U.S. to be successful. And the reason why is because once the U.S. figures out and unlocks the soccer world, the money, the resources, it's so plentiful over here in the United States. We dominate in every other sport that we play similarly to them. We do it in hockey. We've done it in basketball. We do it in different sports. Like we will eventually, it might not be in our lifetime. Maybe it will. Maybe it's coming we will eventually catch up to them. And they're scared of that because when that does happen, you really will have the United States and MLS, as much as they want to laugh at it, you will have a league that will be very competitive to those leagues over there. And they're not going to like it because they're going to think, oh crap, we're going to lose all this talent and TV money. And once you suck that place full of the TV money that the U.S. puts into that and everything else, there is a really good chance, Jordan, that the U.S. we're going to be a force to be reckoned with, and I don't think the rest of the world wants that, at least not right now. The only thing that I would say is limiting, and this could be a whole episode. Yeah, it could be. Um, yeah. That is limiting the MLS from really being able to bring in the big stars and be able to eventually be the biggest league is that they don't have something as historical and as large and as money-making as the UEFA Champions League. Yes. That is the thing that's killer. When we hear how many players move from a club to a club because they say, I want to play in the Champions League. How do we look at, when we're looking at U.S. talent and we say they play for a Champions League club, we put such an emphasis on that, and so do the fans and so do the players. That's what they have to overcome, and that's what MLS has to overcome. So there's a few ways that has to happen. They either have to somehow get involved with the Champions League in UEFA, or they have to overpay. Right now, they're not overpaying, and they have no entry into the Champions League. So that is kind of the hard line in the sand right now of why MLS cannot automatically become the top is the top league in the world. Instead, it's going to take something like 40 50 60 years for that to happen now u.s winning a world cup could happen sooner. it accelerates that too it could happen sooner because the players that we are counting on are going to those clubs and playing at a high level and we'll keep producing those players because they'll get play time through their usl club they'll get play time through their mls club and then they'll get sold on 
for big money like they have been. I mean, post-pandemic, these U.S. players have been going over like hotcakes. And then they reach over there, they start playing over there, and they get better. That's the Brendan Aronson story. Comes up through the youth squad, plays well for the union, goes to Salzburg, plays well there, makes the jump to Leeds, everybody loves him. Boom, 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 right? And then his next step is going to be a club bigger than Leeds, most likely. And he's still, what, 20, 21? Yeah. I mean, something like that. So that could help us become, I think it's more reasonable that we win a World Cup before MLS is the top league. And I've seen a lot of people say, well, one of the things that's limiting growth here is the pay-for-play system here compared to other spots. But as you mentioned, Logan, we do all of our sports at the top level, and all of them are pretty expensive. Baseball, signing up for baseball, even me, signing up for softball rec league was like, what, 50 to $75? Yeah, the resources and equipment. For me, an adult who's not going to actually play like a meaningful level, you know, like it's just for fun. And for kids, it's more expensive. And uh, so I don't know if that's limiting it so much. It's And the, th- the thing is, as MLS grows and as USL continues to grow and we start getting more of those academies in areas, it's going to be easier to kind of grab those players, I think, and 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 do that. So I, ha- I actually think, and this could be a whole episode, like I said, of like MLS becoming a top league. But if we're just looking at USA winning a – winning a um, world cup that can happen within our lifetime kind of more down on MLS becoming the top league in my lifetime, but I think it'll be well on its way Yeah, in my lifetime. No, it's, it'll be hard to catch the prem. And I, and, and that's what I was saying. I was like, I don't know if we'll see it become the league. It will, but I, I think eventually it will with you unlock. And the other thing that's stopping it is the pay as far as like paying players. It's a big stop. Like if, Inter Miami, yeah. If Inter Miami could go to Cristiano Ronaldo or NYCFC could go to Ronaldo and go, hey, we'll give you two hundred fifty million dollars, just come play over here. He'd be like, hell yes, come, I'll come. I don't know. He's turning that down in Saudi Arabia right now. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's because he, I think it hurts his branding. He's more interested in his branding. His brand would be huge over here. Um, I don't. I just don't know. I think legally he's not allowed in the states. I have no <laughs> idea how that works. But um, there's rumors because, of that. But I think yeah. they did drop drop this the charge. Cases, but he'd probably be yeah. fine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, then it becomes a question of do we want him? Yeah, right. sounds like Messi's coming, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, the PSG guy was kind of like, mm, I don't yeah. know about that. Well, so we'll see. Enter who? Um, <laughs> is that, yeah. is that in Italy? Like, Who's that? Beckham's team. Uh, my <laughs> former player. I, you know, if, if people didn't know, Beckham did play for PSG for a yeah. bit. Okay. Um, let's make some predictions. So here's our semifinals. Argentina, Croatia, and France, Morocco. I saw some people calling this on Twitter the weakest semifinals in history, and I said, BS. Uh, all these teams deserve to get here. They played their asses off to get here. I don't know how you can say it's weak. I mean, maybe it's not the sexy matchups you want it, but I mean, those other teams should have won then is how I feel about that. Um, I don't know. I, I look, I stuck with Argentina to win it all. I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to say that they slipped through Croatia, 
but I'm going to say that game finishes 1-0, Messi Magic, to win it. What's your thoughts on Argentina-Croatia? I'm going to go 1-1 penalty shootout again. And I'm going to say that uh, I'm going to say Argentina wins it just because they've got really good attacking players again, like I think I said last time. But yeah, I'm going to say that it's the it's the magic of the penalties again. Yeah, you feel like they they have to run out of the magic when it comes to Croatia, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. You Two can't keep straight. pushing. You can't keep yeah, pushing the teams to penalties teams. each yeah. time. Um, you're going to get exhausted playing 120 minutes each time, and you're going to eventually. Penalties are such a coin toss. It, it'd mm-hmm. be really tough. And then France, Morocco. I'm gonna go with I. Look, I would love a Croatia Morocco final, but I have to bet against that. Even though I said I can't bet against that, I'm gonna go France wins this one one nil. Giroud magic. That's what I'm gonna say there. France looked wobbly against England. First time they kind of been challenged. Yeah, but they're not gonna they're not gonna face yeah. that type of right. <laughs> challenge against. No, Morocco. they'll just have to they'll have to break them down. And that I was gonna say, I think the defense might be stronger with Morocco than it was with England. But that being said, their midfield is is going to lack the star power that England does sometimes. So yeah, I like how, as much as I want to pick Morocco, I think it'll be a lot closer than people think. But I do think France ends up winning it. I'm gonna go. Two to nil, France. All right. Well, that's great. Uh, so if, if that's the case, we'll have an Argentina-France final. Hell, Messi, who's I, never yeah. won a World Cup, going up against a team that just won it in 2018. But here's the fun thing. There's been no repeat champion since Brazil in 1962. That's older than England winning a World Cup. So there. Wow, that's ancient. That is ancient. <laughs> you guys never won one. Yeah, Pele well. was still playing. That's how old that is. So that that's tough to do. It's tough to do. And if they do, this France team becomes legendary. It becomes one of the best teams of all time yeah. if they can win this thing back to back. And if that's the case, we'll preview it later this week after the semifinals. Um, We'll have to talk about that, I think, off the air, what lines up schedule-wise, but it'd be sometime before the third-place game on Saturday is probably how we have to do that. Um, We'll preview the third-place game. We'll preview the the first-place game, I guess, the final, and uh, that's what we'll be talking about next week. We'll also cover any more U.S. stuff that happens to creep up. We weren't planning this... Gio Reyna news at all that happened like I said right before we went on air so you had to cover that and then uh, so next episode we'll be previewing the final and then we'll do an episode recapping the final and then we'll probably take a break for Christmas the week of Christmas and then we'll come back and start looking at we'll have an expansion draft. Uh, well, no, we'll have the, um, sorry. We'll have to talk about the expansion draft. We'll have to catch up on the MLS. <laughs> there is the MLS super draft happening the week of Christmas as well. Yeah. I think it's the 23rd. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to talk about that as well. And then we'll start our previews in the new year for 2023. And I guess if we get any more news about the Apple 
deal. Uh, there was prices and stuff. We'll talk about that after the World Cup. We'll get to all that. I don't think we talked about that at all yet. We'll, we'll talk yeah. about all that stuff after the World Cup. Logan, any other thoughts before we jump out of here today? Barring the location of the World Cup, this has been my favorite World Cup I've ever watched. So, it, yeah. it, and that's saying a lot. On the I, field, on the field stuff has been great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the play has been phenomenal. The countries, the smaller countries, are starting to catch up, and that's really exciting for world football. Like, I really do feel like. I was looking at the round of 16 again today because I was bored and I was like, they're really, I mean, I realistically could have seen all these 16 teams like playing in this last couple of days. Like that's how good this round of 16 stuff has been. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to 2026, man. I it, I know it's crazy because we're still going 2022, but like I, I'm dying with anticipation. I, I'm going to go to a game I, or two. We've got to go. Um, I'm going to start saving money and put some money aside for a World Cup trip, but um, I'll go to any game. I don't care, even if it's not the U.S. Um, so I'm excited about that. Uh, I've been really excited just kind of watching this. It's gotten me re-energized. Uh, I'm pumped for the MLS season. A lot's been going on behind the curtains um, that we'll talk about. Um, not Jim, but uh, the other curtains. So, But, man, it's been a lot of fun, Jordan. It feels like yeah, I just texted you this. It doesn't feel real that we're, uh, we're going to be done with the World Cup starting next week. Yeah, well, we got a week away from the yeah. final. Uh, that's scary because it came and went. And then right after that, it's Christmas. So yeah. we're going to be going through some yeah. some stuff. I'm happy I took off the, the semifinals. So I will be probably tweeting along with them. I'll be sitting back and relaxing, watching these great matchups. I'm really glad I took off now because these, these games are really intriguing, I think. And I could see both of them going extra time, honestly. Um, with the way Morocco play and the way that uh, Croatia play, this is yeah. this is going to be very interesting. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I'm rooting for a Morocco Croatia final. Give me a first time winner, but Logan, we could end up with a rematch of 2018 Croatia France, which I'd have to look up how many times we've had repeat. Not just final repeat teams. winners, but repeat final teams back to back. Um, and if Croatia has enough to get past them, that'd be so cool. Oh my, that would be tasty. That'd be great. Uh, so we'll 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 have that stat for you if it happens, I guess. And I'll, maybe I'll look it up just to see. Anyway, we'll see. Uh, if anybody wants to follow us on all of our platforms at stateside show is where we are on all of our socials and uh, email stateside show at gmail.com. Uh, we're going to try to end the stream. It doesn't have the stop button. So I don't know how that's going to happen. I guess we'll <laughs> see. Bear with us. We might have to exit out of the studio, but uh, yeah. Hope everyone has a great rest of their week and we'll catch you later this week for the semifinal preview or the semifinal recap the final preview my bad tomorrow throwing his body in it's gonna fall for Ibrahimovic oh come on come on thank you for listening to stoppage time soccer show we hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the u.s men's national team americans abroad mls usl 
This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stop It's Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.